minute 68 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and once again, filling in for Tom this week uh, is Jay Cluett of the Deep Blue Sea podcast. Welcome back, Jay. Hello. Thank you again for having me. And uh, our guest this week is Don Wistens, the author of the Great Escape Location website. Welcome back, Don. Thank you. So minute 68 starts off with Hilt uh, going to grab the kettle. And it goes all the way till uh, Max says, we've tried every goon in the camp. Once again, we're continuing the, the, the conversation from yesterday where Roger and Mac are trying to convince Hiltz to, for something. We're not sure yet what they're trying to convince him of, but they, they want information as to whether he's planning on going out again. Basically, they, they, they do it in a very uh, subtle and slick way. You know, the way that they ask the, you know, they ask information. Yesterday, they discussed about, uh, you know, whether he was going to take Ives with him or not. You know, then Roger basically says, well, you know, it is possible for one man to get out through the wire, even get away, but he, he lets on that, that, that there's something else going on here. You know, it, he, doesn't, he doesn't outright say it, but basically says, there are in fact a considerable number of people besides yourself that are trying to escape. Hello, isn't that what Ramsey said at the beginning, that, you know, that's their goal? That, <laughs> you know, every... Every prisoner wants to escape. That's it's the duty of the officers to, to try and escape. I mean, they they all try it. At the beginning, you had a whole bunch of people try it. You had uh, even you had Cedric try it. You know, and and later on, you know, Cedric uh, you know steals a bike when thing. So I mean, Don, do you want to tell everyone about that location where where he actually was able to to steal that bike? Yeah, Cedric. I think he's he's supposed to have a Canadian accent, but um... he's supposed to be Australian. Or even Australia. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's completely understandable to not recognise it because it is terrible. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> yeah so, so I came across the, um, the uh, location for that scene. Um, and it, it's actually in a place called Market Schwaben, which is east of Munich, about 20 miles away. And it's a scene where James Coburn... Um, steals the bike and behind there are, I think there's a church and it was just a matter of trying to locate that church around the Munich area because rationally when you make a film you can't go too far away from the centre for various studios yeah. so rationality took me to Market Swathen where um, I located uh, where James Goldburn stole the bike and cycled off into the distance but that distance took us further south to a place called Fusen. So where he actually carries on cycling is 100 miles away. Oh, wow. It's quite, <laughs> yeah. Well, he That's did quite make, a journey. He, he did make it to Paris, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. But not on the bike. No, not on the bike, but still. <laughs> I, I, I'm a cyclist, and no thank you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that, that's very interesting. Thanks, thanks, Don. So when we continue with the scene, continue with the conversation that, that Hiltz is having with, with Roger and Mac, again, Hiltz, he goes, something's coming. I, I know there's something coming here, squadron leader. You know, what, what exactly, you know... Steve, as, this, as is, I, this is why I love Steve McQueen. Yeah. It's, he, he is the best. He's, he's one of my favorite actors. Rob and I have done a podcast episode just about his best roles before. Yeah. And over on... on the Deep Blue Sea podcast, whenever any character is just kind of busying themselves with their hands, we call it McQueening, because it, it, he's the best at just pretending to be busy or looking busy, just 
acting with his hands and back grabbing the kettle. Even when he's got that kettle and just a, a little hand motion he does, like, come on, come on, just make it help, make it help. I, I, he's so at ease. He's so effortlessly cool, even though he's, he knows something's coming. He's about to get shafted. He, <laughs> I just, I could just watch him do anything and be in anything. I, lo- I love, you can't take your eyes off him in this scene. He's, yes. he's enigmatic. Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, again, this this whole week we're we're talking about just uh, Steve McQueen having a conversation with with you know with with Roger and Mac, and it's still captivating watching these scenes. You know, we haven't we, it, there's there's no point in this entire movie, in my opinion, where things just completely are are dragging along and are boring. There's always something t- to see and look at and figure out what's going on. I, yeah, I think McQueen was known as a reactionist, so he just reacted, and he liked the use of props, which is what Jay's just said, the kettle. Um, I think he overdoes the, um, you know, the expression in that scene. Um, but his background is the Meisner technique, where they have to use props to enact and make real uh, their um, their being in a scene. And he, McQueen would always say that you have to re- do memorable lines, you know, and he was very minimalistic in, in his scene, wasn't he? which is what James just said. He relied on props to captivate an audience. Yeah, definitely. There's no question about that. He does that yeah. in this movie the entirety of the way through. And at that point, you know, after after uh, Hiltz calls uh, Roger squadron leader, so he, he, he Roger tries to break the ice a little bit and basically says, all right, we don't need to be formal Bales. here. <laughs> just, just call me Roger. And he says, all right. <laughs> All right, Roger. And he goes, your, your name's Virgil, isn't it? <laughs> or as, as was established uh, earlier in, 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 in the podcast, you know, we, we think his name is Virgil Hiltz because, you know, he's walking around with a bag that has that name on it. But it could be that he stole it from somebody and he's just going around, you know, under an assumed name. You know, it's never, never been proven that that's really his name, which could be why he doesn't like to be called Virgil. I, I've always taken it to mean that Virgil's not... Not like a cool name. It's not like a guy. But I, I like the name Virgil. So I was going to ask you, Rob, as an American, as someone who like is more familiar with, Amer- like, Hilton American, is Virgil, like, a, an uncool name? Like, a, a name well, that you wouldn't, like... I, I don't it's think... A, it's an older is, name at this Exactly. Point. It's not a modern name. There's no question but this, about this that. this is in the 40s. I don't yes. know how... Like, I think it would be more common to be called Virgil. I, I, don't, I don't think I don't it was know. such a common name. I mean, it, it was a name that that, that was used, but uh, I don't think it wasn't that prolific from from what I know about it. Uh, but it could oh. be. We'll have to we'll have to look that up. You know, I'll, I'll give you that assignment, Jay. You can go look. That oh, up. thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but as you said, it's it's the whole idea that that you know he's he's trying to establish that he's the cool guy. You know, don't call me don't call me Virgil. Just call me Hiltz. You know, he, it's the whole James Dean aspect of it. You know, I'm I'm cool. My name is not that. And uh, so Roger corrects himself and uh, starts calling him Hiltz and basically says, uh, well, we have maps of Germany, general maps, that is. Now, do, do either of you know where, where they were able to get maps? My guess is Henley. Uh, <laughs> that's where they got everything from. Don, do you have an uh, idea? No, no. Okay. I, I, re- I read a really interesting article that one of the things that the, the British intelligence did was is they would smuggle in a lot of games, different things to, to the prisoners, and they would they would smuggle in chessboards, and they would they would have uh, maps 
hidden inside of the chessboards. They were they were hidden in a way that they they, they were made out of cloth, so that they they wouldn't crinkle and they wouldn't uh, you know move around that 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 easily. Nice, I like it. So my assumption is that that's part of it. You know, that there was also the whole idea of uh, they they also had uh, fake Monopoly games that they would send out that 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 had different maps in them also. Depending on you know they they would have different spots on the board that were marked and therefore you knew which map you got whether you got a map of Germany or a map of Italy or a map of France things like that so it was, it was quite clever that they were able to do those type of things <laughs> and, and I'm assuming I, I, Henley got some also yeah I just I'm imagining a game of Monopoly where it's not a square it's actually just like a map of the surrounding area it's really obvious <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's a game of risk you know, that's the board. <laughs> that'll be that'll be great though. That'd be a, a really <laughs> obvious way of doing it. Is here is literally here is a map, and here are the pieces, and they all look like you. Yes. And here is the train station. Yes, but uh, no, the, the 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 in Monopoly they were also made out of cloth. So sorry, yeah. they were they were hidden inside. It wasn't the board itself. They didn't receive Starlight Luft Three, the board game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So they basically uh, and they say, well, we don't have is, and then Hiltz interrupts them and says, is a clear idea of what's 500 yards behind those trees. Which, again, shows that that, that, that he's able to read the situation. He's able to, to, to understand what what they want from him. Yeah. Which which makes it very very interesting to watch this, this whole scene take place. Now, I mean, they're, they're basically stuck in, in, in an area of Poland, based on what I've seen on, on maps. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, the original camp, the original camp is in Poland. Yes. Yeah, I was. Just, I meant. I meant the original camp. I didn't mean the yeah. where they filmed it. Yeah, the original camp was in Poland. Yeah. Have you? Sorry. Have you? Be, have you haven't been to where the original camp was? Did you, were you? No, because Steve the Queen hasn't been there. Ah, okay. All right. That that's a good answer. That's uh, I. I <laughs> that's very true. You'd think that 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 in the movie they would they would have tried to you know have some some real external shots from from some of the areas there but but i guess as you mentioned earlier it's a little more difficult uh you know just to, to go anywhere to, to to film you want to stay as close as possible to to where you are yeah i mean the queen in the film does whisper switzerland doesn't he um and in the jump scene you've got the alps in the yeah. background so um uh, and i think the french resistance uh send Cedric, James Coburn, off yes. to Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's sort of a bit of an open borderline in the film, uh, as opposed to the original location in Poland, which would be the countries around Poland, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea was is that, that they still got pretty far. That That's the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. I think that's part of what they're showing, that, that, that it's still within... Within distance. I mean, from what I can see, the closest big city to Zagin is uh, Prague, which is in uh, you know the Czech Republic now, Czechoslovakia at the time, and it, it's it's a pretty long journey to, to to Switzerland from there. It's it's about a thousand kilometers, which means. Yeah, I was just trying to get out on my map as well. It's, yeah, it's a long way. I, I mean, according <laughs> to what I just found, it's nine hundred eighty-one and a half kilometers. Yeah, I, I know that. You know, the borders have changed and things since this game. This right. Ah, that's set. true. Well, but that's, uh, but that's yeah, also that. going via a modern freeway. So, you know, 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. So the, the 11 hours that it would take nowadays to drive that uh, probably is a little bit longer uh, when you're going by motorcycle. Yeah. Being chased by, by lots of Nazis behind you. And if, if you're trying to walk it, it would, apparently, according to Google Maps, take 151 hours. It would be uh, 736 kilometers as, as the crow flies. That's actually that, that's less than a week. That's pretty good if you can walk that. But that's without stopping. It's, it's pretty that's good. Stopping. Yeah, that's, that's, it. That's, that's not great if you're being chased by, I don't know, the entire Nazi fleet. Okay, but, but <laughs> in, in the real story, most of the, uh, the, the prisoners uh, got out, uh, you know, were tried escaping by, by foot. Because and and that was one of yeah. the, the, the the reasons why a lot of them got caught was because it was there was snow on the ground, uh, which makes it, which makes yes. it a little bit difficult. To, you know. <laughs> Where did they go? Oh, that way. Follow those footprints. <laughs> which footprints? You know, you, you'd have you know the comedian. You'd have comedians. You know, uh, running around in a circle. You know, to <laughs> go exactly. doubling back. Yeah. In the in the film, the two tumblers, John Layton and Charles Bronson. Uh, escaped through the port of Emden, which is in the Netherlands. But that may well be poetic um, imagination rather than factual, um, because I suppose the Netherlands is quite a long way from from Poland. Um, I, I I actually believe that the the two that got out. There, I mean, there, there really were three that got out. One that Cedric is based on, and the ones that 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 uh, Danny and Willie are based on. I'm trying to remember how they, they they got out by boat at some point. So they did get to maybe Denmark. I think that's where where they uh, eventually got out. I'm trying to remember. Well, they they in the film they rowed this boat down in Fusen on a sort of on the river. Um, but in and then in the film when they boarded the ship was in the Netherlands in the port of Emden. It was um, a, a Swedish but that may not be factual to the truth of where they left the camp in uh, Starlick in uh, Poland. Right. No, my assumption is that, that that's uh, somewhat of a fabrication, like most of this movie. You know, it takes yeah. <laughs> takes the original stuff and uh, changes it around a little bit. I'd have to go back and look at the book to try and remember where exactly uh, they got. But I, I remember them getting out by steamship. Uh, I just don't remember from where. Um, not really sure. All right. Do either of you have anything else for this minute? Uh, just that Max starts mentioning at the end that they've tried every goon in the camp. I want to know again how. What did, that, did they just try and pickpocket them for maps, or did they try and just bring up a conversation? Hey, what's past those trees? Just how 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 did they try every goon in the camp? I, w- I want to see these scenes. I want, I want to see every detail. I want a whole TV series based on this. Just two hours on Henley just going around the camp saying, "Hey, what's behind this trees? What's over there?" How? Just because that's such a, an obvious conversation that they're going to have. Yeah. Of like, you're planning an escape, aren't you? I, I can't imagine how they could have tried these goons. This is why I would have been terrible in, in the camp. I would have been <laughs> useless, utterly useless. <laughs> my, what do you mean? My surreptitious asking would be like, "Hey, what's behind this trees? Tell me. Go on." Yeah, but you're, you're, Go on. They, they would make you the uh, surveyor, you know, with your. No, with they'd make. I'd be, I'd be in Cedric's team. I'd be an engineer, be a manufacturer. Yeah, that's true. No, it, absolutely. Right. So I, I just checked, and actually, the, the the two prisoners that got out, they they were able to get to a port called Kustrin, which is near Frankfurt. They were able to get on 
a ship with Swedish sailors, and they end up getting out via Sweden. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a Swedish ship they board. There you go. Uh, in the film. Yeah. There you go. Either of you have anything else you want to say about this minute? Nope. Yeah. All right, Don, do you want to once again tell people how they can uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, um, if you go to my website, thegreatescapelocations.com, uh, I have an email address, so if you want to say hello, um, I'll respond accordingly. All right, very good, thank you. And uh, Jay, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, I have uh, my own personal site is life versus film, life vs film dot com, where it's me reviewing films I watched recently and very little else. You, you review films uh, there? Uh, now and then. <laughs> I can't remember, uh, once a month, I tend to review smaller films that I've watched during the month, and none of the films I actually mean to be reviewing that are on things like the 1000 Movies Must See Before You Die list, which was my initial intention. And one day, I'll get halfway. All right. We'll Maybe. We'll see. So while you're checking all that out, you can uh, go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher that you're using to to listen to the show. You can visit our Facebook group, The Cooler. You can uh, visit us on our website, thegreatescapeminute.com. You can uh, visit us, uh, you can rate us on Twitter at greatescapemxm. And our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. So until tomorrow, tally-ho. 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 Tally-ho.